Psalm 133 says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we have together, um, the, 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 the unity that we have because of Christ. We thank you that we are family uh, because your son has uh, died for our sins, has died to break down the hostility between us and you, and, and he has brought us in. We thank you for that. We thank you for this little psalm. We pray that you would help us to understand and to believe and to submit this morning for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I have a little secret. We have to... We have to we have to share a secret in order to get this sermon started this morning. I have to, sh- I have to share. You don't have to share any secrets. I'll, I'll share a secret with you. Um, and this may be one you already know. I want to tell you anyhow, just in case you don't know. Um, people are weird. That's the, that's the secret. I want you to, because you may not know that. Um, including you. You're weird. The person sitting next to you is weird. You probably even think I'm weird, which shows how weird you are, because I'm actually pretty normal, uh, you guys, no, we're all, we're all weird, we're all a bunch of weirdos, it's, 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 we're different from each other, right, we just, we, we do things and we say things, and the other person says, man, that was, what, that was weird, why, why would you do that, why would you say that, I remember um, the beginning of a deacon's meeting, I think the last one, um, Colin and I were talking, we were having a disagreement, and it, Looking back, it was um, the, the most pointless disagreement maybe that we've ever had, and we've had a lot of pointless disagreements. And it was all semantics, and Josh Finch looked at us and he said, how do you two get anything done? Um, it's a really good question. I don't know how we get anything done, because we were in the middle of a conversation that didn't matter at all. He says, you should start a podcast called Thinking Biblically About Things That Don't Matter. Um, <laughs> I said, maybe, maybe we will. Uh, and we will listen to it because obviously we're the only two people in the room that care about whatever it was we were arguing about. Um, it was completely semantics, and I was right. Um, I, it's, it's not easy for us to do what this psalm is exalting. This psalm is a wisdom psalm. This psalm is saying, this is how life... This, you know life is good when brothers are dwelling together in unity. When, when brothers and sisters, when family members, when believers are dwelling in unity. That's, I mean, that is, that is good. It is good and it is pleasant. Um, we, and we know that when the Bible talks about this, the Bible means more than, when the Bible talks about us dwelling in unity, the Bible means more than just saying nice things to each other, smiling at each other, you know, not yelling at each other. The Bible, the Bible is talking like in, it, this phrase, is, it's not used very much in the Old Testament, but when it's used, like in Genesis and Judges and Jeremiah, it's, it's more like working together. 
It's working toward the same goal. It's helping each other. It's sacrificing for each other. It's, it's the unity that we have because we belong to God. It's, it's, it's unity that we have because we have allegiance to God. We share that in common. And so, and so we are going to care for each other and make room for each other and supply each other's needs. We are, we are headed the same direction and we are helping each other get there. This is a, um, this is a traveling song where we only have, we only have, uh, this one and one more of these songs of ascent. This is, this is songs that these believers are singing. They belong to God and so they are committed to each other. They are going to dwell together in unity. We don't want just unity for unity's sake. Like the, like the people who were building the Tower of Babel for a while had unity. We don't want just unity. We want unity that's around the Word of God. We want unity that, that has in common allegiance to God. The New Testament picks up on this, right? When the New Testament talks about believers dwelling in unity, it says things like we, we bear each other's burdens. We don't look on our own interests, but the interests of others. We outdo one another in showing honor. We pray for one another. We speak the truth to one another in love. If, if anyone is caught in transgression, the, we, we, we work to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We show hospitality to one another without complaining. We build each other up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on and on and on and on. We're to dwell together in unity, which is, which is we are to truly care for each other. It was good for me this week to ask myself the question, so I'm going to ask you as well. Do we truly care for the people of First Baptist Church? Do you truly care? Do I truly care? Do we actively care? Are we seeking to bear each other's burdens? Are we showing hospitality and patience and generosity? Are we speaking the truth in love? Are we stirring one another up to good works? Are we praying for each other? And you say, I would do that, but everybody's so weird. And sometimes we're weird in non-offensive ways, right? Like, um, like some of you, some of your particular, like some of, some of you are Notre Dame fans. I don't know, I don't know if you, if you admit that in church. Some of you have just brazenly admitted it in church. Some of you hide it, whatever, either way. But you're Notre Dame fans and you know who you are. And it doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't, I don't look down on you, really. Um, I think it's silly. I think it's silly to be an Notre Dame fan when you, you could be a Michigan fan, right? You could, be, you could root for a perfectly good college football team like Michigan. Instead, you root for Notre Dame. Whatever, you're making a poor choice. But I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm still going to be your friend. But what if, think with me here, and you say this would never happen. Oh, it, it may, this exactly might not happen, but we are weird and we do weird things. So come down this weird rabbit hole with me for a second. What if I say to you, though, when I see you wearing that Notre Dame shirt, what if I say to you, you know, Notre Dame is a Catholic school. Catholic Church teaches false doctrine. They teach a false gospel. You, by, by wearing that Notre Dame college football shirt, you are, you are preaching a false gospel. I can't hang out with you anymore. See what I've done there? It doesn't take Christians too long to make those steps, does it? I'm pretty good at it. I can do it quick. I can, you can wear pretty much any shirt, and I could, and I could, I could get there. And you say, oh, that wouldn't happen. Well, maybe not that exact thing. But the, 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 the truth is, 
that we care desperately about things that nobody else cares about. And, and, and because of our backstory, and because of the way we're wired, and because of our personality, we are, and because of the, the teaching we've had in our past, and all kinds of stuff, we, we draw lines in different places than other people draw lines. And there's not a whole lot we can do about it. If you say to me, I, I just, this is just about football, I'm not, I don't, I don't think any of those football players even, they've never said any Hail Marys. They're not, they're not Catholics. They're there to play football. They're there because they want to play football on TV and make it in the NFL. This is, like, like, Notre Dame has nothing to do. What are you talking about? And I say, well, it does to me. So don't wear that shirt around me. What are you going to do about that? We're weird. I'm weird. You're weird. We're different from each other. So, so dwelling together in unity is difficult. But what we need to see from this psalm, what I want to, the way I want to encourage you this psalm is I want you to see that, that, that dwelling together in unity is worth it and it is possible. It is worth it and it is possible. So, so what we're going to do for the sermon is we're going to just ask those two questions. Why is unity worth it, and how is it possible? So that's the, the sermon is going to answer those two questions, all right? Number one, why is unity worth it? Why is unity worth it? The, the, the scripture says it is good and it is pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. Why? Well, first, the first thing we say, first thing we see, number one, because unity is like precious oil on Aaron's beard. Unity is like precious oil on Aaron's beard. Verse 2 says, it is like the precious oil on the head. I want you to imagine this with me now. Aaron, or really any Old Testament priest, and he is soaked with oil. I mean, it is, it is running, it's on the head, and it's also come down, and it's just soaked his beard, and it's soaked his beard so much that it's draining out of the beard as well, running down on the collar of his robes. He is soaked with oil. That's a fun mental picture, isn't it? It's odd. Aaron there, he's just, this is, when it says Aaron, it's just representative in this little poem, this little song, of all the priests in the Old Testament. And he is just soaked in oil. Well, that oil is is used by God for a very specific purpose. It was, it was used by God to set His priests apart for service. That oil is what made them spiritual and useful to God. If they were not anointed with that oil, then they had not been set apart to, to um, serve God as a priest. It identified the priests as chosen and authorized by God. If a police officer pulls you over, um, one of the things you're going to have to see before you really have to um, do what they say is you have to see that they have a badge. That they've been authorized um, to uphold the law. They've been set apart to do this. The oil was like, was like the way God identified His priests. And the way God said, these guys are set apart and what they're doing now is, is acceptable and spiritual. It's authorized. And this is not just an Old Testament concept either. 
This is a New Testament concept. So what, what um, David is saying in this psalm is when we have unity with each other, when we dwell together in unity, it is very much a sign that God has set us apart. That God has identified us as, 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 as holy. Jesus says very much the same thing in the New Testament. In John 13, we have the, we have the, new, the new counterpart to this. John 13, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Your love for each other is like, is like anointing oil just all over you. It's, it's like you are soaked with, with anointing oil from God. You, this is what sets you apart. This is what identifies you as belonging to Jesus. As useful to Him, as His disciple. It's your love that you have for one another. So we often struggle for motivation, right? We do. We know on some level we should go out of our way to bear each other's burdens, to serve, to listen, to pray, to stir up to good works, to show generosity and hospitality. We know we should, but we don't feel like it. Why is it worth it? One of my children, and I will not say which one, one of my children is always interested in why a particular command that is issued from his parents, or her parents, sorry, is worth it. Why is this? Why? Why do we need to do this? Scripture in God's kindness here is telling us why. Because it sets us apart. It, it, it shows that we have been designated, identified by God, by Christ, as His followers. It sets us apart. So the bottom line is clear. When you're struggling for motivation, and I am often as well, when you're struggling for motivation, the bottom line is clear here. If you want to be identified as Jesus' disciple, then you will pursue Christian unity. If you want it to be made known that you belong to Jesus, if you want that to be clear in your life, then you are going to, you're going to practice the one another's of the New Testament. So that's the first reason why it's worth it. Second reason, um, not only is it because it's uh, like the oil, Aaron's beard. Number two, because unity is like the dew of Hermon falling on Zion. Verse three says, it is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. So what's the picture here? It's irrigation. Lots and lots and lots of water. My... um, you guys remember like in June or whatever month it was where we got no rain whatsoever? And then in like a couple of days, we got the whole month's worth of rain in like two days or something. That was super fun. Um, my neighbors, they irrigate their lawns. They, they water their lawns. I do not. Um, if they wanted to water mine, I'd let them. But I, uh, I'm not going to, you know, do that. But um, perfectly good thing to do, though, if you want to. Sure, it's fine. And your, your grass will look a lot nicer. Um, you look a lot, lot, look a lot nicer because water causes life. It, it, it causes grass um, and vegetation to grow. So Mount Hermon 
tons of dew, tons of water, tons of irrigation. So if you go to Mount Hermon, it's lush, it's green, it's growing, it's beautiful. Zion is a little bit more dry. It's a lot more dry. It's more arid. Stuff doesn't really grow there. And so the psalmist is saying, what if we took all the irrigation from Mount Hermon and we just, we just drowned Zion with it? We, we just soaked Zion with it? It would bring life. That's what unity does. It brings life. I've talked about this with you guys before, uh, but it's worth mentioning again. The there's a few different kinds of people, right, that, that are in our lives. There's, there's the people who um, really, really like us, but they don't know us that well. So we're always thinking, if you got to know me, you wouldn't like me anymore, right? So, so those people are nice, but they're, they're, they're not all that life-giving because they don't know us all that well. They're, they're kind to us, they like us, they say nice things to us, but they don't know us all that well. And then you've got people who do know you well and don't like you. Those people, not life-giving either. Um, that's no good either, Right? That's worse than the people who, at least they're nice to you. So I've got people in my life who don't know me and like me. No, don't know me, but they like me. I've got people who know me really well and they don't really like me. And then I've got people in my life who know me really well um, and they, they love me. They like me. They're for me. They, they, they are a fellow Christian and they believe that the person who started the good work in me is going to finish it. They're willing to encourage me. They're willing to pray for me. They're willing to warn me when they think I'm acting like an idiot. They're willing to defend me and continue to point me to the Word of God. It's true Christian friendship. I mean, they know who I am. They know who I am. And they love me. Is there anything more life-giving than that? Those people in your life who know you, and they are there for you. They are going to bear your burdens. They are going to encourage you. They are going to stir you up to good works. They are, they are going to comfort you. They are going to, when they need to, get after you. They are there for you. And you know that any time you could give them a call, and they would be glad to do whatever they can to help you. And it's not because they think more highly than, of you than they should. No, they know who you are. They know who you are. They know you're, just, you're in process just like they are. They love you. They love Jesus more than they love you, which is a good thing. But they love you. They're going to help bear our burdens. Is there anything more life-giving than that? We have all had times, haven't we, where our soul is just dry. Where we feel parched and cracked and dry. And then we spend time with a good friend, a friend who loves Jesus, a friend who loves the Word, a friend who loves us. And you can just kind of like feel. The, you, can, you can feel. the. You can feel yourself coming to life again. Right? You can, you can feel yourself coming to life again. This is what unity does. This is what Christian love does. It's like the dew of Hermon. It's all that irrigation splashing down on dry and parched and cracked Zion and it coming to life. 
So, so unity, it sets us apart, right, as servants of God. It's like precious oil on Aaron's beard. So it sets us apart as servants, as, as belonging to God. It identifies us as Jesus' disciples. But it also brings life to us and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's worth it. I pray that this convinces you that it's worth it. But is it possible? That's the second question of our sermon. How is unity possible? If you are like me, which hopefully not too many of you are, we don't need too many people like me, I think that could get bad, but if you're like me, then sometimes you, you fight against your own insecurities. Sometimes you struggle with miscommunication, like you, you say something in a way that was just, I shouldn't have said it that way. I should not have said it that way. Or you, or you he- hear something from someone and you sort of assume that they, that they meant something that they didn't mean. And so we just have some, like, we're just not always good at communication. And we, we also kind of carry around our own different insecurities with us. We have busy schedules. We, we, we tend to lead pretty isolated lives. Right? We're, we're often tired. We're sometimes stressed. And then on top of that, people are weird, right? They're hard to figure out. They're quirky. They, they care deeply about things. And I'm just like, I don't, what, what are you talking about right now? I don't care about that at all. And then you care, and then I, you know, I care something, you know, just very deeply about something, and no one else cares about it. I'm just like, what is going on? What's, what, what is going on? And, to make matters worse, we're sinful, right? We're, we're all, we're all um, sinners. We are saved. If, if you've believed the Gospel, if God has done that work in your life, if you have, if you have a new heart, new life, new desires, you, you hate your sin, you love Jesus, you hate your sin, you've, you've trusted Him for forgiveness, you're trusting Him right now for forgiveness, it's beautiful and it's awesome, but you still have indwelling sin. I still have indwelling sin. So sometimes we worry when we shouldn't. Sometimes we gossip. Sometimes we're envious. Sometimes we're bitter. Sometimes we think the worst of someone because we want to. You, you guys, as far as I know, most of you, you're not going to blow up at each other. We don't have a lot of like big like blow-up type people. Um, most of us, we're just not wired that way. I mean, you could. I, did, uh, I don't know. But I, I, uh, most of us, I think, in this room, if I know you as well as I think I do, most of us are going to be more tempted to just kind of cut ourselves off from people. Just sort of distance ourselves. We'll still go to church. We're not, we're not going to a different church. But we sort of pick and choose who we're going to care for and who we're not. Who we're going to pray for, who we're not. Who we're going to connect with, who we're not. Who we're going to go out of our way to encourage, and who we're not. And sometimes, of course, we say this often, sometimes there's nothing we can do about that. I mean, you're only one person. You can only, you literally can only care for so many people. Right? So sometimes that's just part of life. But sometimes we cut ourselves off from people for not so great reasons. Right? We, we cut ourselves off from people in ways and for reasons that are not good, not healthy. I think probably we know we shouldn't do that. I think we know we should pursue unity. 
We should, we should chase after the one another's. We should, we should try harder. We know that. What we need to hear as we wrap up this morning is that it is possible. How is unity possible? I mean, let me read the verses again. Listen for all the coming down language. In the first couple of verses, it's pretty clear that this is coming down to us. We're not, we're not, we're not figuring this out ourselves. We're not building this ourselves. We're not making this happen ourselves. This is coming down to us. And if it's not clear after the first couple of verses, David punches it home. Verse 3. He says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. The poet here is saying, the songwriter is saying, this is coming down to us. He's conjuring up an an image here. He wants us to see, this is coming down from God. God is the one who brings the oil. God is the one who brings the, the dew. God is the one who's sending this down. This is coming from God Himself. And just if we're not positive on that, this is a blessing. Verse 3 ends saying, ends with saying that this is a blessing from God Himself. The Lord has commanded the blessing. I don't know if you're if you're translate, if you have a different translation from ESV, if it says commanded or not. The word commanded there is an odd word. It's, a, it's probably the best translation. Um, I think, but um, it doesn't mean like God told it to happen. It's more like God ordained it. God gave it. This is a blessing from God Himself. So when it says commanded it, it doesn't mean you shall do this. It, it, It means God ordained it. God generated it. God gave it. Unity is only possible as it comes from God Himself. Now, life forevermore, life eternal, it's going to be perfect. We're going to love each other perfectly. But until then, while we're still battling um, our sinful natures, while, while we're still working with our own human frailty, we still can have some of it. God absolutely has promised to give us a taste of it here. So let's pray for it. Let's believe that it's possible. Let's do what we can by His grace to pursue it. And let's remember the great lengths God went to save us from our natural bent towards hostility. We, um, we, uh, we can be suspicious of each other, even other Christians. We can catch ourselves thinking the worst of them assuming that they are against us, assuming that they think they're better than us. We can, kind of, we can kind of put words and thoughts into people's mouths, into people's heads. If someone is silent toward us, we do like the comic strip thing, and we just put the thought bubble up there, and we write in what we're pretty sure they're thinking, what, what they would say if they wanted to say something. Sometimes we... You know, my, my thing is that, you know, it's not a sin if you want to be a Notre Dame fan, but if you're an Ohio State fan, that's got to be, that's got to be in the Bible. It has to be, it has to be a sin. Feels like a moral issue. 
feels like a sin issue, feels like a... We distance each other. We, we distance ourselves from each other. We put up walls. Ephesians 2 helps us with this. Ephesians 2, Paul says, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. At one time, you had no hope and you were without God in the world. You were alienated from God and from His people. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. Jesus Christ Himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. This is what He has done for Jews and for Gentiles. This is what He has done for all of the people of God. He has brought us together. He made us made in Himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And that He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. So we were, we, were, we were hostile towards God. We were hostile towards each other. And in His body, on the cross, Christ has broken down all of that. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. We have to remember the great lengths Christ went to bring us together. When we, because in our nature, we, we want to push back from each other. We want to hold each other at, at arm's length. We want to be suspicious of each other. Remember the great lengths that Christ went to bring us together, to, to, to build us together into a dwelling place, to join us together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. When you are at odds with another brother or sister in Christ, and you feel yourself wanting to pull away from them, let's remember what Christ has done to save us, and let's remember what Christ has done to save them. Let's remember that Christ has first and foremost broken down the wall of hostility between us and God. And then also, uh, He's broken down the wall of hostility between us and those that we would hold back from. Will this put an end to all disagreements? Absolutely. Yep, you don't need to worry about anything else now for the rest of your life. No. No. That's why we have 1.5 billion local churches Right? It's because we have important disagreements. We have things we cannot see eye to eye on. We can still love each other. We can still hang out at each other's houses. We have a hard time agreeing on important things with each other. So there's going to be times, absolutely, 
where we are going to disagree. But in all of that, absolutely, come what may, in all of that, on this side of eternity, while we're trying to sort out what it means to live together in unity, let's remember the great mercy of Christ. Just how merciful Jesus has been to us and has promised to be to us. Remember the great mercy of Christ. That will help us to pursue love and humility and patience. To, 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 to look for opportunities to bear each other's burdens. To look for opportunities to, to pray for one another and listen to one another and, and comfort one another and stir one another up to good works. Remembering the great mercy of Christ will help us. It will, it will not take away every disagreement. It will not take away every bit of confusion. It will, not, it will not solve all miscommunication. But it will help us to pursue love and humility and patience and real Christian unity. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you have promised this to us. That you have promised that we can have, because of the gospel, we can have real unity with each other. And, and there are remnants of our sin nature still alive and well in us the remnants of just like uh, we want to, we want to uh, hold people at, at arm's length, keep people at a distance. We we are tempted so often to to think the worst of someone rather than think the best of them, rather than rather than hope and assume and and speak with them in charitable ways. We thank you, God, that you have promised to to give us unity. Promised to bless us with this. That that the commands that you give us in the New Testament are not just like commands that you know, you're up there chuckling knowing we'll never be able to do them. No, these these commands, they they come with built-in, implicit strength that the Spirit gives to more and more obey. So let us, help us, God, to think in hopeful ways about this. Help us to love each other well. Help us to, to continue to go to the Word of God as, as, our, as our final say, on our, on, on, our, on our final source of agreement. Help us to show our allegiance to you by our our love towards each other. Pray that you would do this in our hearts and in our church, in our homes. Pray that you do this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.